to take a little time here, and I, I've also mentioned this to my wife already, and I will communicate it by email as well. I've got some things I feel led to communicate here tonight that I want everybody that's a part of us, part of this congregation, hopefully to listen or watch um, so that they are in the loop. So I, I, I'm going to, uh, depending how long it goes, I, I'm the Lord willing, if not tonight, I, it's my intent tonight, if it, if it works, to um, resume. Um, I ought to give 10 bucks to who, who can tell me what it was I was teaching before the holidays hit. Um, but uh, I would like to resume that, and that is going through the book of Ephesians. Um, so if we get there tonight, fine, but uh, there, there are, there's, a, there's a couple different things, sort of two primary areas, I guess, that I just, uh, I'm going I'm I'm to pastor for a little bit, if, if that's all right. And uh, if that's not all right, I'm going to pastor for a little bit. So, um, I, I just, uh, the second part is going to kind of be a little more connected to kind of where we are, where we're going to a degree, but, uh, this, this first part is just something, um, it's, it's probably, I think I could say it's an ongoing burden of mine, concern, challenge, um, in a lot of different ways, um, and, and so I, I just, I, I want to, I want to communicate some about this here for a few moments. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to read to you, uh, let me read to you a couple of verses as we, um, just kind of a launching point here. And, um, John, John chapter six and verse number 66. So John 6 and verse 66. You know, there, there were um, there were several there's several groups of people you can find throughout the gospels. Um, several groups of com- several common groups of people that in different settings and, and situations you will see. So for example, one of those is the multitude, and there's several times in Jesus' ministry where he was ministering to a multitude. The, the Beatitudes, I think, were spoken to a, a multitude. The, the five loaves and two fishes were multiplied when he had been teaching a multitude. For the most part, a, a lot of people in the multitude were there probably first and foremost out of curiosity. I, I would say the higher percentage was there out of curiosity. Not that everybody was there just out of curiosity, but uh, it heard about Jesus. And so, you know, let's come check it out. Let's come see what he might do. Let's come hear what he has to say. And, 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 and basically, as far as the multitude goes, when, when he dismisses the church service, everybody goes home and does their own deal. And, and uh, there, there's, a, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's Jesus dealt with the 70, and then you get down to the disciples, and we'll come back to this in the second part 
this evening, but even amongst the disciples, there were, there were three that were kind of at the, at the core of that. So, again, with the multitude, you got people who are coming to me simply out of curiosity. The, the story with the woman with the issue of blood, and, and she makes her way to Jesus. She touches the hem of his garment, and she is made whole. There was a crowd of people that were gathered there. And yet, the scripture doesn't tell us about anybody else getting anything from the Lord that day. All we know about is the woman with the faith that made up her mind to touch him. And, 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 and so again, to me, that group, most of them are there out of curiosity. How sad is it that there's, there's no way that she was the only one with a major need that day. <laughs> and and you know, most of you know the story, but she, she touches the hem of his garment and Jesus stops and turns to his disciples and he says, somebody touched me and they respond and say what do you mean somebody touched you everybody's been touching you but he said virtue when something different happened you you mean to tell me that she was the only one there that had a need no but she came with a purpose she came with a hunger she came with a desire to get something from him but the multitude comes and, and they may come hoping to get something. But again, once it's done, they go back to their lives. It's their thing, their way. So I, I want you to notice in this, in this first verse that we're going to read from here, I want you to notice the category that is acknowledged. From that time, many... Of his what? Many of his disciples went back. Many of his disciples went back. Many of his disciples. What were the disciples? Now, this isn't the twelve. But disciples means they were dedicated, committed followers of Jesus. They had gone beyond the crowd. They had gone beyond showing up in the multitude, hearing what he had to say, watching what he did, and then going on back to their lives. They had reached a level of dedication and commitment that they were now included as disciples. These are the followers of Jesus. But what did they do? They went back and walked no more with him. They went back and walked no more with him. Again, this is not just a group of people that showed up one day just to hear what he had to say and then went back to their lives. These are people who had had a level of dedication and commitment to following Jesus. 
and yet they reached a point that they went back. Now, I, I got it. You know what blows my mind here is, you know, I, I, I don't, I, 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 I'm troubled as, as a pastor. I'm troubled by those that walk with Jesus for a period of time, that commit their lives, that are themselves being trained or being, being, being disciples and developing as disciples. And then after some period of time, whether that's months, years, even decades, they, 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 they walk away. And to me, any, any, any good pastor, when anybody leaves, any good pastor is going to look inward at some point and say, Is there something I did I shouldn't have done? Or is there something I didn't do I could have done? And how did I fail? Where did I fail? But it happens. But (laughs) these folks had Jesus. (laughs) They had Jesus as their pastor. They were following Jesus. I mean, they they had the one. And yet even Jesus, being Jesus, had people who had been committed followers that decided, I'm done. You listening? I just had it happen again. I was about to say y'all listening, then I avoided it, and I might as well just say it. I was uh, out taking care of some business yesterday, and the lady I was taking care of the business with said to me, "Where are you from?" And I, I now have learned what that means. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, actually what she said was, where are you from with an accent like that? <laughs> and now, I used to, I got mad, now I just chuckle. So, well, I'm born and raised here, but my mother's from Mississippi. Oh, although she thought my accent was, you know, kind of smooth and cool. and She was older than me. She wasn't hitting on me. Don't worry about it. I don't so y'all, y'all, I might as well just embrace y'all. I'm a northerner by birth, but I, I got southern roots in my blood. So I'm happy for that because that's where I learned to get good food from. Amen. They walked no more. And so Jesus says to the 12. So again, in verse 66, this is a group of disciples. But there's always a group within the group. So he says now to the 12, are you going to go away? Are you also going to go? Or are you also going to decide you're not going to keep following me anymore? Are you also done with being dedicated and committed to what I'm asking and what I'm expecting and how I'm leading you and what I'm directing you to do? Are, are you also, again, we're not, we're not talking about the, the one-time church visitor. 
Are you going to go also? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I'm pretty sure we're not going to get to Ephesians tonight. Hopefully we will at least get to the other part of what I want to communicate tonight. Because I'm feeling a, a, a meddling, meandering spirit. Jesus is, is, is on the road, I believe, Caesarea Philippi, if I, if I remember correctly. And, and they're walking along and he stops and he says to his disciples. He's got two questions. Notice the questions and notice the order of the questions. First question is, who do men say that I am? If it was 2020, he would have turned to them and said, hey, what are they tweeting about me? What's being posted about me on Facebook? What are you reading about me online? And they respond and they begin to answer the question of who men, and that's not men in the sense of males, it's men in general, who, what is being said about who I am? They immediately begin to answer those questions. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. You're, you're a prophet. And, and maybe there was even some more things they threw in there that just weren't recorded in the scripture. They immediately knew what others were saying. If I ask you the question right now, what's the world say about Jesus? I guarantee I could begin to get answers. Because we know. So the first thing he was doing was... I want to hear you say what everybody says. Because what I ultimately want to know is, you know what everybody else says, but I got to hear what do you say. And, and is what you say about who I am determined by what they say? Is your opinion... Is your faith of who I am determined by what all of them are saying? And Peter boldly responds and says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Notice, please, that was not in their answer about who everybody else was saying he was. Nobody said, well, some say you're the Christ. They, they never even said that. And yet Peter responds and says, you are the Christ. You see, you and I must reach the place where in spite of what anybody else says, we know what we know. I'll say it again. You and I must get to the place that no matter what anyone says, we know what we know. Where else are we going to go? There are no other options. You alone 
You understand this is not like the fast food industry or the banking industry or the car industry. Well, I don't like that one. I'm going to go pick me another one. I don't like this God. I'm going to go get me another God. There's only one God. <laughs> and, and, I, and, and please hear me because I am not saying that this church is the only church. But unfortunately, people do that with church as well. Well, I don't like this church anymore. They, I, 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 I've learned that people, people that come because they're offended and are looking for another church. I'm, I'm not talking about sinners. I'm talking about people that are church people, people that have supposedly some level of commitment. When they come over a fence, you can write it down. They're going to leave with a fence. I used to be naive enough that when somebody came that was upset with the pastor they had and started telling me what a great pastor I was, I used to be naive enough to think I was a great pastor. I finally started learning, yeah, we'll see how long that lasts. Because at some point I'm going to do something you don't like too. I'm going to say something you don't like. And if your attitude is not, where else am I going to go? You will find some place else to go. So you need to know what you know and be grounded in that no matter what anyone else says. I told you I'm pastoring. I'm going to pastor more. I'm not done yet. And they're, they're, because there's, there's, there's several of you that what I'm saying and what I will say over the next few moments, you, you, you can not only relate to it from the past, but some of you have been dealing with it in various ways in the present. And you all, we all will deal with it at some point again in the future. You know what? One of, one of the, one of a very dangerous thing to do is to sit in a service and listen to what's being taught or preached and sit there for a few moments, listen to it, and go, well, I, you know what, I'm not, I don't need that right now, and then ch- tune it out. Because I, I, am, I am of the opinion that most of the time, the purpose of the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God is about seeds for the future rather than it is something for right now. No doubt there are most of the time when something is taught or preached, somebody in the service, in the setting, needs it right then, right there. But then there's a whole lot of others that God's trying to put some stuff in your spirit. I was listening to, uh, I, I sincerely can't remember what his name is, very popular Christian preacher, pastor. He speaks on uh, 95.1, I think several nights a week and I was riding home last night and had it on for a few moments and he was talking about scripture memorization and and uh, he, he used an analogy that I've used and others have used part of the purpose of you need that you need the word of God here and he used the analogy of you're sitting in the you know if you're dating and you're sitting in the car and it's starting to get hot and heavy if you got to call a time out to go find out what the Bible says about what you're doing right then you're in trouble David said, thy word have I hid in my heart so that I might not sin against you. The only way God can quicken something to your mind is for it to be in your heart. 
I uh, want you to I want you to work with me for a moment. It'll take a little bit of work, but I want you to I want you to imagine that this it's not a ball of yarn because it's not a ball. But this could compare to a football. I, w- I want you to imagine that this represents truth. And, and I mean truth in the sense that this is all of the various parts of truth. This is all of the various components of truth. And, and, and so I, I, want you to, I want you to think of it this way. Think of it of the fact that, that in, in sort of the center, at the center of this, this ball of yarn, I mean, that's where, that's where the, um, the absolutes are, right? I mean, that's the absolutes. So like things in the center are like, you know, the Godhead. There's one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And that, and that when, 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 when Jesus said baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, he wasn't speaking of three separate persons, but he, he was talking about the name of the Father, the name of the Son, and the name of the Holy Ghost, which is Jesus, because God is one, right? You, you, you don't, I mean, this is, this is Thursday night, so this is, this is you know, this is, this is... This is as close to we get as sort of being just us, which we don't ever want it to be just us because that's not why we're here. <laughs> but but it, it, it is where I have personally feel the most freedom to speak about as plainly and, you know, freely as any church service. You, you don't have to raise your hand right now. But, but how many of you in your mind, you could not imagine, you could not imagine ever believing in the trinity that's sitting here right now knowing what you know knowing what you believe knowing what you believe the bible says that you just absolutely could not imagine yourself ever believing that there are three persons in the guy i'm going to retract that how many let me see, let me see the hands of some of you that you feel that way this is not a trick question most of you never absolutely are you kidding? I mean, there's some, there's some areas that I might question or doubt some, but for sure. How about, how about baptism in Jesus' name and the fact that, you know, we, you, you believe and we, not only do we, but you believe that, that the plan of salvation is not just simply accept the Lord as your personal Savior. You, you believe that a man must be born again and that he must be born of the water and of the Spirit. You believe that the evidence, the only common single evidence we can find of knowing a person has the Holy Ghost is speaking in other tongues. You, you, you believe that, that adultery is adultery. You, you sit here and you believe that God created male and female and male and female created he them. And you could never imagine cha- that changing. You could never imagine that changing. Because that's what's down at the, that's sort of the core that's the root. That's at the, there's, there's, there's probably a few more things I could come up with that we could pretty much all agree that are, I mean, we, they're the absolutes, man. That's, there's, there's a heaven and there's a hell. 
There's a devil. There's, I mean, there's, there, there's angels. That, there, there, there are some things that in the center of truth, again, they are the, they are the absolutes. That's no debate, no discussion. But here's the problem. We get to the outside of the yarn and we start messing with the things that we think are not quite the absolutes. Just hold that for me, Brother John. So, so we start pulling away at the fringes. Because, you know, some of what's on the fringes is the things that fall into the category of, well, you know, that's just what the church says. That's just what the pastor said. It's not really. And, and, and now, and, and I'm gonna say, I said this already, I'm going to say it again. There, there's a whole lot of you that, 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 that this applies to. So, you know, the, the Internet can, can be a very positive, helpful tool. Really can be. It's not of the devil. The devil didn't create the internet. <laughs> Believe it or not, the devil didn't even create Facebook. <laughs> but the flip side is, though, all of those things. I, I, it happened to me today. I was sitting there I'm in the midst of working and preparing for tonight and doing stuff. You know, I did just my. I, I I don't know about you. I, I will several times a day scroll Facebook for a moment, or I, I don't spend hours and hours on it because there is nothing worth hours and hours on it. But and I came across something somebody had posted, and it took me a good thirty forty five minutes to get that out of my spirit. It wasn't I mean, it wasn't something sinful or whatever. It, so it, it can be used in a lot of great ways, but it also has some negative. And, and, and you can get on there and you can, you can find people that are going to say just about anything. <laughs> and so we, we, start pulling on the, we start pulling on the fringe. And, and here's the problem is once you start pulling on one truth, on one area of doctrine... You, you don't decide to stop there. Because the more you unwind, the more you question. The more you doubt. The more you second guess. And we pull, and we pull, and we pull. You see, when we first start, what we start out here with is, you know, it's 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 the it's the sort of sort of the minor stuff, if you will. Not really sure that that's a category, but it's it's kind of the minor stuff. It's it's the stuff where again we 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 you know we have a tendency. Well, that's just opinion. It's just preference. And the enemy knows full well. He's happy. He's content with us to start there. Because he knows we're not going to be satisfied there. 
Because once we pull that, then the next thing is now the target. And then the next thing. Until finally, we end up at the core. And I don't know if I need to unwind this whole thing or not, but I'll just see how long I keep unwinding. We finally, you know those untouchables I talked about a moment ago? Those things that's sitting here right now, some of you could never imagine yourself believing those things or not believing some of the things that you do believe. We keep unraveling and unraveling and unraveling until finally we start to reach the point where the only things that are left are those things that at one point we thought I would never doubt that. I would never question that. There are people that preach here for us who have gone places to preach for people that used to be apostolic that have told them no speaking in tongues. We don't do that. We're too worried about our guests. We're too... We, you can preach about the. Oh, see, see, here's the problem. You and I sitting here right now, we're all not me. Never. Yeah, that's what Peter said when Jesus told him. Peter, before the cock crows three times, you're going to deny. Oh, not me, Lord. I, I, I mean, not, I, I would never change my belief on the Godhead. I would never change my my belief on the plan of salvation. I'm just going to pick at these fringe things. The enemy is content for you to start with the fringes. Because if he can just get you comfortable with arguing and debating, if nothing else in your own mind, arguing and debating, he knows it's all connected. It's all connected. The, the thing is, he wants us to think, I can mess with the fringe, and I'll never mess with the rest of it. I, I can mess with the things that are just on the fringes of it, and, and, and I, but, but I won't mess with everything else. You're not the first person that's going to succeed at that. And there's never going to be somebody that's going to succeed at that. Because you, when, bottom line is when you do that, you open a door that you don't want opened. So, here we go. Let's bring it all even more closer to home tonight. Do you know where that fringe typically starts? Anybody know what that fringe usually is that people get to playing with? At the places where they start unraveling? A common thing we would call it. Not that we always use this term in the right context, but it's the 
the term we're most familiar with. You know where it usually starts? Holiness. Separation. I just, you might as well stop wrapping that around your finger because I keep coming getting it again. I just don't know that all that's necessary. I just don't think that's just, I don't think that's needed. I think that's tradition. I think that's an organization. I think I can pull that fringe, but I'll stop. Because I never will, I'll never believe that. I'll never go that far. Am I making sense tonight? I really, this is the one time I didn't need to ask that question because I know I am. (laughs) Usually I ask it and I really need some help, but I'm not. (laughs) Just keep pulling, keep pulling. Because it's a part of protection. That's why it's there. It's amazing that I, 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 there are countless casualties, hopefully way more than any of you have any clue about, countless casualties of people that started with that fringe and, and said it, nothing else within themselves, whether they ever said it out loud or not. I, would, I, I will never change this. And now there are, there are pastors of churches that would, at one point, would have told you, you got to be born again. You got to be born of the water and of the Spirit. You, you need the infilling of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues, that will now not tell you that's necessary anymore. And almost without fail, you'll find they started with the fringe. We don't hear me in the proper context of this. Come here, Williams. Just stand right here for a second. Proper context meaning we're we're not the judge. Okay, so hear what I'm saying and don't mishear what I'm saying. Because really, in according to biblical principles, I'm I'm not the judge, and it's my not my place to judge. So that's not what I mean by this point I'm about to make. We do not judge this by people. We judge people by this. Again, I don't mean do we go around judging. That's not what my point. We don't determine what's true or not true here by the human. This is what determines what's true and not true. And what is not true, no matter what the person does. Thank you. Who who, who do men say? What do men say? What does the internet say? What do people say? What does other parts of Christianity say? Now the big question is, what do you say. I'm going to read a verse here and I'm going to read the New Living Translation, which puts it really plain. 
1 John 2, 19 says it this way. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would not, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. New Living Translation says it this way. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved that they did not belong with us. I've said this many times. I'm going to say it again tonight. Why is it that most of the time the response when people go out from us, and I don't mean us just simply as Antioch. I mean as apostolics. Why is it that the typical response is when people go out from us, it makes us question us? Of course, there's also another part that happens. doesn't cause us to question us, but then we use it as a justification for us. this statement beliefs born out of bitterness lead to deception beliefs born out of bitterness lead to deception it is a very dangerous thing to let someone with a bitter spirit be the influence on what you believe is truth or not. And you know what? <laughs> Trying to figure out how far I'm on pastor and not pastor tonight. <laughs> When somebody is publicly blasting something, it's pretty clear they're telling you the spirit behind what they're doing. Because if what you have is from God, and what you have was genuinely produced by the spirit and word of God in your life, there is an attitude and spirit that's supposed to go along with that. The danger is even greater now than it's ever before with the ease of the internet that all of us have. And, and, and there's some folks, and it's not just one, and it's not one situation. I know of several situations right now off the top of my head. There's some of you, if you're not careful, you are opening a door in your spirit Because you're listening to some criticisms of things 
And those criticisms are born out of bitterness and offense. And the problem with that is you can never have truth. You can never get truth, clear truth, when you are motivated by your bitterness and your resentment. Because Paul said, herein do I exercise myself to have a conscience void of offense. The word conscience means co-perception. Basically, I don't even know if I'm going to get to the part two tonight. I really need to get to that part. (laughs) But the Lord knows. There really is no, you, you, you hear me, you hear me, Am I, I, I know I'm making sense, am I boring y'all? I will ask that one. Okay, good, all right. Half of you didn't say anything, so I don't know what that means. There basically is, hear me now, this, this, some of you need to hear this for a lot of reasons. But there basically is no thought that you think that that thought is solely you. Because every thought has co-perception. Every thought has co-perception. Meaning there is a partner in what you perceive. There is an influence in what you see, what you hear. And so when Paul said, I exercise myself to have a conscience void of offense. What he was saying was... I don't want God's influence as the co in my perception to be cut off. If you've got regular AM, FM radio, then then you probably never really experienced this in in this way. But if you've got satellite radio, you've got XM radio, Sirius radio, you can get places where there's a couple of places on Ritchie Highway. It's been a while since I've had XM. Maybe it's changed now, but there are objects that interfere with the signal. It's satellite radio. And so it's got to have a clear connection to the satellite for the signal. So you know what a fence is? A fence is the trees, not a fence, a fence. <laughs> and a fence is, it's the trees that are now blocking the signal between you and God. And so you're no longer hearing clearly. And you're no longer perceiving accurately. Simple example, and as, as trivial as it is, there is truth to it. That's why when you're not battling with a fence, you can walk into church, not one single person say anything to you. You can leave out of that service and never think one thing about it. Because your co-perception is what it needs to be. But you let a fence be working in your life and everything everybody does Well, you looked at me, I what? You, you looked at me wrong. You, I, I did? 
You know what? When was that? Yeah, uh, you know what? Now, I was having some really bad stomach problems that night. You may have just caught the scowl in the midst of my pain. You didn't speak to me. It happens, folks. I know not one of you here have ever done that, but I'm, there's probably just the people downstairs with my wife. They're the ones. I've told this story before when we were doing fearless fun. I mean, it took a ton of people to make fearless fun happen. And what an amazing accomplishment. And every, but at, at the bottom line was I, I basically was the guy that everything was, you know, I was the one in charge. And so carrying the pressure of that deal and didn't do it by myself. I, wonderful hell. But, and so uh, one year after, after, after fearless fun, this, this, this young lady who had been raised in church but had stopped coming and she asked, things having some trouble in her life, she asked to come in and talk, came in and talked. And she's like, you know, well, you, you got a problem with me. I'm like, I do? It's news to me. Yeah, well, can you help? Well, yeah, you know, like at Fearless Fun? Yeah? Well, you, you walked right by me and didn't say a word to me. I'm like, listen. And I told her what I just told you. But that's how, that's how offense works. If you're not offended, you don't care if they look at you or they don't look at you. You don't care if they smile or frown. If you're offended, you care if they look at you. You care how they look at you. You care if they smiled. And really, was it a true, genuine smile of, you know, kindness? Or was that a smirk because of what they were thinking about me on the inside? Why? Because there is offense. And your perception is no longer correct. How about this? The psalmist said it this way. Great peace have they that love thy law. And what? Now, you know, we all believe the Bible, but let's be honest. We don't believe the Bible. Because the next part of that verse is really hard. And nothing. And nothing. No thing. Greek word there is no thing. I don't know. A Hebrew. I don't know if it is or not. <laughs> Probably something like no, not even one. You know. Doesn't this sound about like right for Hebrew there? Right? No thing shall offend them. You know, emojis. Emojis are, have become such a mixed blessing. Because now, you know, at first, you know, especially when it was just the character, you know, it was a, a, uh, what, a, a colon and a, and a parenthesis, you know, okay, whatever. But now we got these, you know, we got the real emojis. And now the problem is, li- I've done it and I've been around other people that do it. You really, you, you literally are concerned to press sin on the text without an emoji because if the emoji's not in there, what are they going to think? I, I literally struggle at times now to send a text message without a smile at the end. Because you expect the smile, and if the smile's not there, what are you going to think? And it happens. I, before God, have heard legitimate, serious stories of it happening. 
Why? Because my perception, the co, you see, the problem is if it's not God in your perception, then it's the devil working in your perception. And you can rest assured he is going to twist every little thing. Every little thing. That's why, as I've said before, and I'll keep saying, especially to to leadership, written communication, text messages, emails, obviously they're a part of our world and, and they provide convenience and all of that. But when you're dealing with sensitive things and you're dealing with, with problems, you need to be extremely careful, obviously for a lot of reasons. But one of the reasons is you as the reader determine the tone of what you're reading. It's pro- probably using it too much now, but it works and I'll keep using it. And that's the day that, again, my wife texted me. I was up here at the church working. Can you stop by the store and get milk on your way home? One simple, quick, sincere response. Sure. And I got the, literally the quickest response from her I've ever gotten in a text message. Forget it. I'll do it myself. I'm like, what? What just happened? So as quickly as I could. I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I try to be very cautious. Sometimes I'll read an email and the first time I'll read through it, I'm hearing that tone of voice that's saying this and that. And then I hold on a second. Hold on. There's a completely different way I could read this same email with a totally different tone without the attitude that I just put on it. But let me tell you something. When my spirit is not right, when my conscience is not void of offense, my perception is always leaning towards the negative. So that's why Paul says, I exercise myself. The bottom line is, and part of the reason this has gotten so unraveled, is everybody is looking for the most convenient, easiest way. I want to be saved. I want to know Jesus. I want to go to heaven, but I really want to get it the easiest. They have, you can get apps for them. They have seven minute workouts, 10 minute work. I I got a question. We've got a, we've got a skilled physical trainer here. Is, Is there some benefit if you do a seven minute workout? Is there some benefit? Better than nothing. Minor, but better. Minor, better than nothing. But you follow that seven-minute workout every day, you're not going to become a world-class athlete. (laughs) You're not getting in the kind of shape and developing the the stamina, the physique, or whatever, to be a world-class athlete. And you know what? Christianity has become a lot like that. Give me a little seven-minute workout because, you know, all that stuff on the perimeter, all that stuff on the fringe is not really that necessary, which is now why we're to the point we're debating everything. 
We're picking apart everything. We wouldn't have used to have picked it apart. We just get comfortable. And then, and then again, we turn to those struggling with bitterness and offense and let them now become If nothing else, and I'm, I'm not preaching at you. I'm not preaching at anybody because the Lord, been there, done that. Hopefully got the t-shirt. Actually probably got a few of them. And, and here's, here's, the, here's the trouble, folks. I honestly, I, I thought I was going to be about 10, 15 minutes on this and be moving on. But I trust that I'm following the Holy Ghost and so he knows what. It's not going away. This is not going away. This is not, in fact, there's plenty of things in Scripture that tell us quite the opposite. See, you and I have got to determine what it is we've got our eyes on. And, and and that's not a I don't think that's a one time one and done thing. It's a it's a it's a continual challenge because until Jesus comes or you die, one or the other, it's an ongoing process. I'm not I'm not trying to make excuses and 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 I'm not, I'm not trying to make excuses. I'll just leave it at that. But I, look at look at look at uh, uh Look look at uh, Elijah standing on the top of Mount Carmel calling fire down from heaven. One man stands down 400 plus prophets of Baal. I mean, you want to talk about a bold move. It hasn't rained for three years. Water is a very scarce thing. And... 400 plus guys have spent hours praying and calling on their God to do something and nothing has happened. And now it's Elijah's turn. And it's not, I mean, I don't know about you, it, it, been, it would have been no less of a miracle if he hadn't gotten 12 barrels of water poured on the, that would, I mean, it wouldn't have been any less of a miracle. Let's just stop with the fire from heaven part. And he stands there, and, and I know the Bible doesn't spell it out, detail, line by line, so I'm just going to tell you the way I imagine it. I imagine Elijah standing there. I personally don't think Elijah had veins popping out of his neck and forehead as he is groaning and moaning and calling on God, begging God to do something. I really personally think it was just a very calm, straightforward prayer. And all of a sudden, fire comes down from heaven, burns up this sacrifice, burns up the altar, licks up the water. I got a question. I've had this conversation with some of you on a one-on-one basis, so you have to be quiet. Where, where would you expect things to go from there? I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm assuming after that, Elijah would have been walking away from that altar going, all right, bring it on. What's next? Let's go. Let's do it. 
What's the next check? Come on, man. I, God's God and I'm a man of God. Let's go. Read the next chapter. The next chapter. Not 20 chapters later. Not years later. The very next chapter, the queen threatens him and he's now begging God to kill him. He goes from the mountaintop, one of the most phenomenal experiences in all of the Bible, calling fire down from... He goes from that to now saying, God, just kill me. Just kill me. Depressed. My, my, my point is, and again, I'm not here to make excuses or misuse the scripture, but I think that's something you, if you haven't already lived it, you might as well prepare to. You're going to have some days on the mountaintop and you're going to spend some days in the valley where you're like, God, just get it over with. I'm done. Kill me. All of that back to the point. It's not a one time get your eyes fixed and they never wander thing. Because the enemy is constantly trying to distract you and get your attention. But at the end of the day, i got to decide where are my eyes going to be? What am I going to focus on? Who is going to affect what happens here and what happens here? I, I, I beg of you, I am not trying to be unkind. I'm not trying to be judgmental of anyone. But I believe this verse applies past, present, and will apply in the future. They never belong with us, otherwise they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved that they did not belong with us. When they left, it did not prove that we were wrong. Y'all don't have to help me. I'm all right with you being quiet right now because I... As long as you're listening, I just told you last week I'm not I'm not doing the listening thing. I want feedback, but I'll, this is a momentary break from that. I, I hesitate to say this because if you've never done, if you don't know this, I don't want you giving in the temptation and going and checking it out because <laughs> you might open yourself up to stuff you really don't need to be struggling with. But you, you can go do some simple. Google searches and find all kinds of stuff shredding who we are and what we believe to pieces. And I'm going to say it again. 99%, I really ought to just go ahead and say 100%, but I'll leave it at 99 for there's a very slight amount of wiggle room. 99% of that, if you were able to sit down and hear the person that that came from, you would quickly begin to hear offense and bitterness. I've said it before, I'll say it tonight, and I'm, by the help of the Lord, I'm going to say it again in the future. We are not perfect. We will not be perfect. As long as I'm here and you're here, we can't be perfect. Now, here's the, here's the other question. Anybody here like to volunteer now to get all this back together just like it was? You can have it when I'm done, but I'll... I actually thought about you today when I was buying this. Thought, you know, honestly, I did. 
I don't know. She may be able to get it back. I, I'm not talking about just wrap it back up. I'm talking about get it back exactly like it was. And that's the problem. It's a lot easier to do this. It's a lot easier to do this than it is. I'm quite certain, even if I rolled all this back up to one thing, it would look really bad. That's why the wise thing is, from the beginning, don't start pulling. Because there is something inside of us that is never satisfied. It's why I know it's I know I, I, sh- I shouldn't say this with with young people and young adults that are unmarried sitting in here. I shouldn't say this and be this honest. But I, I am I am really not naive enough to think that as much as we may teach and challenge for couples to not touch before they get married. I would be absolutely shocked if there's ever been a couple that has fully abided by that. I've, I've let the cat out of the bag before. guess if you weren't there, here it is for you to hear. You know what part of the reason why? First of all, Paul says that. I mean, that's script Paul says it. But the point is, most of us in different areas always have a tendency to try to push the envelope some. So... If we, if we teach, don't touch, and that's back here, and you fall and make a few mistakes, there's room for failure. But when you want to live here, with as much as you can get on the edge, there is no room for failure. And the problem is this, a righteous man, not an ungodly man, not the sinner, forget that, a righteous man falls. Paul, 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 not David Wright, not you, not me, Paul, Paul. I don't know where you have Paul, but for me it's like Jesus and Paul. And Paul said, the things that I should do, I don't do. And the things I shouldn't do, I find myself doing. There's two ways to interpret that. One way to interpret that is, if the Apostle Paul did things he shouldn't have done, and didn't do things he should have, I am done. There ain't no hope for me. I'm finished. Because again, Jesus, Paul, and, and, and somewhere down in the valley is me. But there's another way to look at it that's the way we should look at it. If the Apostle Paul, with where he was in God and the revelations and all of that that he had in God, if he still had those struggles... 
Oh, whew. I thought it was just me. I thought I was just the one that was flawed. No, no, no. So if he could have those struggles and keep going, I can have my struggles and keep. I'm not, not obviously. I'm not saying justify making okay. But. I, I I trust you. I, I hope. I, I realize we're streaming and it's all. I, I get all that. I sometimes there's such a mixed blessing in that. But I, I pray for you sitting here tonight and those of you hopefully over the next couple of days that will be watching this that weren't here. My my hope is that. Somehow you, you, you sense and feel my spirit, my burden, my heartbeat tonight. Because first and foremost, here's what it is. At this point in time, I am the shepherd of this flock. And it's my job to try to protect the sheep. And it's not. I, the, 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 the principles and the, and the things that I've talked about tonight are not an isolated challenge that a that a very small percentage of people ever deal with if you've lived for god if you walk with god any significant length of time and haven't gone through some of this stuff that i've talked about tonight you 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 must have been living in isolation I would hope, I would hope, I would hope. I would hope that every person that's part of this congregation, that if I were to get up Sunday night in service and say to you all, I have, uh, I, I, I've, I've made some changes and some things, which there's a lot of reasons why I know this is, <laughs> would never happen. I mean that not because of me personally, but even other situations, whatever. Authority, accountability, whatever. But if, if, if I were to get up, if I could, and I were to get up here Sunday night to the people that are part of this church, say, listen, I, I, I've changed. I've come, to some, I've come to see some things a little different. I don't think it's necessary that we dunk people in that tank anymore. I don't, I don't think they need to speak in tongues anymore to get to heaven I, I don't think we need to live a life of separation and obviously I would be out of a job here <laughs> but you know hey I, I've, I've found me a place you know down the street and I'm going to be having services there so you're welcome me to join me I, I, I would like to believe that every single one of you would start picking out your tomatoes and your eggs and throwing them at me and say, you better get out of here. Rather than, oh, well, maybe I'll change too. What, what do men say? What do they say? What do you say? I, I'm not trying to be whatever. I really... <laughs> really felt like there was some other stuff needed to cover here tonight and where we are and what's going on, what God is doing, but the Lord knows. I want you to, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm quitting. Just do me a favor right where you're sitting. Actually, before you do, I was going to ask you to bow your head Let me before you do that.
Scripture says, if you do not receive a love for the truth, if you don't receive a love, by one place says, buy the truth, sell it not, but another place says, if you don't receive a love for the truth, listen, listen, I know most of you know this verse, but listen, God him self not the devil not the devil God will send a strong delusion you know what's so scary about that is when somebody is believing a delusion from the devil we have the authority and the power to pray that off of them but when God is the source So would, would you join me in this and maybe whatever else I or you may end up feeling to pray, but would you join me for a moment in at least one of those things that we could pray together is God give us, God give me a love for truth. A love for truth that is not shaken or Cause me to question because of what somebody else does or says or thinks or the direction of this world or even the direction of Christianity. Father, help us tonight. God, I am so thankful. I am so thankful that you acknowledged, you said in your word that you remember our frame. You remember what we're made from, and you know our weaknesses, you know our frailty. I thank you so much, God, that you are not looking down on us in disdain because of our weaknesses and our humanity. You knew it, and you provided for it, provided for our provided the way for us to overcome and be victorious. And so I pray tonight. You know our humanity, but God put within us and renew within us a love for your word, a love for truth. I pray that you would help us tonight individually, God, in our own lives to not fall into the trap of the enemy of trying to begin to just unravel some fringes because they are inconsequential, they're insignificant, they're they're, they're the points that we, we may debate on that they're, whether or not they're valid. But God, help us to buy the truth and not sell it and help us to love the truth and guard it and keep it protected. I pray for everyone in this place, everyone that's a part of this congregation, my brothers and sisters, Lord, that you would strengthen each one of us, fortify our faith, God, our confidence, help us to reach the place that ultimately it doesn't matter what others say, we know for ourselves. We've got our own foundation of faith and trust that is unshakable. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. And look forward to seeing many of you throughout the remainder of the weekend. Jesus' name, you're dismissed.